Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about what parentheses not to talk about. <laughs> we're going to talk about what not to talk about. How does one do such a thing on a podcast? Oh, this will be interesting. So, so Jonathan, the idea came from you know a listener who pointedly does not want to be identified. <laughs> so, and basically, they asked, "What happens when your client or your industry contact makes a political comment that they expect you to agree with, but you don't?" Hmm. And basically, how should you, um, you know? How, how should you be about politics? How should you share or not share? And, you know, as I was thinking about the question, I mean, to me, the issue really isn't politics. It's a bigger one, which is what do you talk about and what do you not talk about? Mm -hmm. And how much of yourself do you show and how much do you keep under wraps? And before I told you about this, I will tell you that my first reaction was there is no freaking way I want to talk about politics. And I knew you would say exactly the same thing. Um, but I kept kind of kept sitting in the back of my mind. And then I realized that maybe that's why we should, in parentheses, mm -hmm. talk about it just because it's a little bit scary. Right. And and the and it's I, I like the meta conversation around it just as much well better than better like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is you're always deciding what to talk about you know and there's it's just it's like where how do you decide where the boundary lines are so like mm -hmm. we don't you know you're not going to get you're not going to get cooking recipes or parenting advice for my mailing list but you know i decided it's not like i decided not to talk about those things and i might even make a jokey reference or use a metaphor from those spaces but i'm not gonna teach you how to cook chicken vindaloo on my mailing list for example <laughs> because that's not what it, it, it's not that i decided not to do that it's because i decided to do something else so it's like i said yes to something else i'm not saying no to chicken vindaloo i'm saying <laughs> yes to let's talk about pricing today like uh, here's your wacky uncle talking about pricing again in in my mind i'm usually not thinking about what not to say i'm usually thinking about what i want to say today and it's in a pretty specific realm even though there may be two dozen topics i talk about inside of pricing for independent professionals it's all pricing for independent professionals. Like, how do you make more money without working more hours? Mm -hmm. So I've got that area of focus for my mailing list. And I don't know. I, I don't think about not saying things. But occasionally, you'll get prompted, like the the listener that prompted you. And a couple of years ago, there was so much, like, social unrest stuff in the news. I was getting people on my list being like, well, where do you fall on this? Like, demanding that I... That I uh, you know, say where I fall on the political spectrum. Yeah, take a stand. Yeah. Yeah. Like demanding it. And I was like, wow. All right. Well, if you're asking, I'll tell you. Like, I, it's not a secret. I'll leave it to the listener to guess. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not like, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. And at the time I was like, no one's, no one is here on this list to hear what I think about space lasers or whatever. Uh, but then when the list was like, uh, yeah, we actually do <laughs> hear about space lasers or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, this is what I think. But for me, it's about the audience. What's in it for the audience? Yeah, but I, here's what I'm curious about. Do you feel the same way when you're in social media where it's, you know, you have the social aspect layered on top? 
Uh, I'm going to dodge that question by saying I don't really interact on social media. But when I did, I would sometimes get into it and always regret it. Every mm-hmm. single time. Like you dunk on someone or you think you make a great point and the person is just not, they're just not, no one's listening. I wasn't listening. No one's listening. So I just always regretted it mm-hmm. whenever I did wade into the fray. And we're talking years ago. Like I haven't done something like that on Twitter probably since 2012, maybe. Oh, yeah. oh that's going back a ways. Yeah, I just don't engage on social media. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It just made me think of a time when I was starting the the soloist women thing and I, I uh, had something about it on LinkedIn and some guy jumped in and started this whole he was trying to start a conversation about whether anything should be gender specific. And I just didn't care to debate him. I mean, he wasn't anybody I knew. It's like, and so I, one of my, uh, my pals jumped in to my defense, which was really pretty cool. And, um, and started the conversation. And finally, I just said to the guy, you know, I, this is just, I don't have time to do this kind of conversation. I'm really not interested in it. I'm going to go help some people. Mm. And I, you know, I left it at that. And for me, that felt mean, you know, that oh. felt, you know, I'm not usually like that, like where I just tell somebody to just, you know, pound sand, but I just wasn't interested and it was annoying. And I'm like, you know, here you are, this white male complaining that you're out of something, you know, it's like, <laughs> go away. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, I don't want people listening, especially if you're on my list, I don't want you to think that I don't enjoy pushback or people challenging my ideas. I love that. I love that. It's the... But there are times when it's like where it boils down to a tone thing most often where it's just kind of aggressive. Hardly ever mm-hmm. happens. Um, yeah. I've got yeah, I've got people on my list. You know, English isn't the first language. Uh, so I, I cut folks a lot of slack when it when a question comes along that I'm like, um, you know, this person is clearly disagreeing with me. Their tone is put me off a little bit but it could just be a lost in translation thing and like let me actually consider the idea but just like you sometimes i'll come to the conclusion that it's just not worth rewarding (laughs) them with you know the ones that are clearly out of bounds you can spot them right away because they're like seven paragraphs long is like two thousand words (laughs) with no question marks and it's like okay uh sometimes you just decide like i this is not a I'm not going to spend my life minutes engaging with this. There's just nothing in it for me. There's probably nothing in it for the other person. They maybe just needed to get something off their chest or feel like they needed to vent or whatever. But, uh, well, sometimes it's not even tone though. Like the guy that I was mentioning, I mean, he wasn't being belligerent or anything. I mean, there, you know, his tone was fine. It was just like, he wanted to debate this and I'm like, "I, I don't want to. It was just that simple. I don't want to. It doesn't. It doesn't do me any good. Maybe he's. I don't know. Who, again, I don't know this person. But he's a professional. He's in our kind of sphere. I just didn't want to. I'm not interested in having that debate. There was like. I just wasn't. So, so it's I, for me. It's not always about the tone. It's just about do I want to go there just at all? Agreed. Yeah, I agree. The tone makes it easier. If somebody's rude or obnoxious, it's really easy to just like hit delete. Right. Yeah. It's, you used the word debate. And I just remembered, I think a week or two ago, I I, I got a little bit uh, ranty in an actually heated way about 
someone who wrote in about just lying on their timesheets and mm. and I got I got my I, I got my uh my underwear in a bundle over that one. <laughs> and it was a little it was a little out I don't know if it, if people could tell, but the emotion behind the words that I wrote in those I did maybe three messages about it and I did a several with a few, you know, private email threads with people on the list that were not my normal stoic kind of look here's here's what i'm saying take it or leave it it works for me it works for people i i help you know whatever it was very much like no you are it was very shoddy it was very shoddy and and i felt it when i was doing it but i'm like no i'm right like this this person's wrong <laughs> and and i pulled no punches and it but here's the thing it didn't feel good it did not make me feel good it was this sort of it was righteous that's what it was and oh uh, righteous indignation yes exactly and yeah. i i tried that on for a couple of days did not enjoy it and one of the people was like it's way more complicated than this you're uh, you know you're overreacting or everybody does it and 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 i'd be happy to debate you live uh, and i was like I'm not doing that there's nothing to debate. You're a liar. <laughs> it's like you could tell your stories to yourself all day long about how it's expected that I lie in my time. She's like, no, you're lying. <laughs> you see, you hear it. Can you hear it? I'm like, I don't like getting like that. I don't like it. And so I didn't want to have a debate with this person because I wasn't interested in listening to them. Like, I'm not going to, I wouldn't have been open-minded in the debate. It would have been like. Well, yeah, you have a fundamental difference in your value system value or system. how you see the world. And that's right. really hard to convince someone to change when you do that. So it, especially these days, you know, it, we, yeah. we wind up just, you know, talking to ourselves. Yeah. It was hilarious too, because both people that, there were two two people in, in particular that continued to defend themselves and the, this practice and. And both asked that I didn't share the thread because everybody knows I like, you know, I asked for permission to share people's messages. Oh, can I share this on the list or whatever? And one of, one of them was like, oh, you know, and, and by the way, don't share this with the list. And, and my reply was, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because it tells me deep down, you know, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my God. <laughs> but it, it gets me upset. Like, I don't want to, I don't know. So, so Yeah. It, I, I learned a little lesson there. I used to get like that years ago on Twitter. I'd wade into it about, you know, the future of mobile and Amazon's phone's a piece of garbage and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, real Twittery. Um, but it always made me feel worse. Like I noticed that it made me feel worse. And then I took a long break from Twitter, you know, like a month. I guess that I felt long or whatever it was. And then I came back and I'm like, oh, there's that outrage feeling again that I did not miss. Yeah. That it's, yeah. And I think social in particular, it just presses those buttons because especially if you see everybody, you're, you don't just see your carefully curated group, but you right. see somebody doing something really stupid <laughs> or, you know, saying something and you just, it's like human nature to dive into the fray. Yeah. And um, yeah, sometimes we resist and sometimes we don't. And I guess that's the question really that was asked is, you know, when do you say something and when do you not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I just there's an observation on this, which is I think some of it also depends on who your client or audience base is. Like if you're doing B2B to big corporates, you know, unless you're a politically oriented law firm and, and there are those, you know, there sure. are Republican firms and there are Democratic firms, then, you know, you're probably not talking politics 
at all, if ever. And if you are, you may be doing it one-to-one when you're having lunch or dinner or a private conversation, but you're not getting up in front of a group of your clients and talking politics as an example. Mm. But when you have a smaller, um, and even if it's a B2B, but it's your, your, let's say you're going after entrepreneurs, for example. I mean, I can think of a number of people in, in that space who are very specific about their views on political things, on, um, and when I say political, it, it could be candidates, it could be issues, it could be a vote that's up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those kinds of things. You'll see them weighed in, at least in a, in a big picture basis, because it's tied into their point of view. Yes, right. And there's also... Social justice is a good one, actually. That's a really good one. There's a number of communication firms and specialists who are focused on social justice issues. So, of course, they're going to talk about that. Right. Right. That's what the audience is there for. See what I mean? Like, there's... It, 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 well, before I go into that, there's also the, the how much of your just personal life do you let flow into your output? So, you know, if, uh, some people are very... Like, you know, if you're doing enterprise sales, you're probably going to be more buttoned down, like you said, unless unless it's your whole brand that you're the, you know, the, the maverick one or the misfit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there are other people that are just like total let their freak flag fly, personal brand, influencer type of person that's just like, ah, I didn't do my makeup. I just, whatever. Here's the, here's the deal, <laughs> you know? And I, there's something, it just feels like it, I don't know. I, I I don't know if we're I don't know if we're gonna get to what's what's in it for the listener for this episode. Like I feel like what's the with, with this is gonna. I feel like it's gonna boil down to like be yourself. Like fight, you know. But well, how how much to be yourself? I think that's what we're talking about. Is the question of degree? Okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. The what not to talk about. Yeah, but is it maybe, is it a? It feels like a just a personal choice though. I think it is. I mean, it's always a personal choice when to open your mouth and and, and what spews out of it when, when we do. Right. Okay. So what are the categories? Well, I mean, let me give you an example. Because I, when I was thinking about this, and it was really funny, it was in the back of my brain for, you know, it's probably been like four days now. And I remembered something I'd forgotten about. And I, I somebody was referred to me who had just lost the attorney general race in a very well-known state. Mm -hmm. And this person came to me and they're at least on the surface on the opposite side of the political spectrum from where I am. Mm -hmm. And so I was fascinated to take the call. I totally wanted to talk to them. I wanted to see like, what are they, why are they talking to me? What, like, I'm not a political strategist. And so, um, what it was is that they wanted to own an issue. So they'd lost the election. They wanted to own an issue as an expert. And they hadn't decided yet, were they going to create a business around that or were they going to use it for the next political campaign? Hmm. And as I listened, the thing was, I expected the issue to be like crazy, like no way I would ever work on that. (laughs) But it was a really interesting thing. And it wound up not happening because uh, they were more interested in what that meant for their political campaign. And I suggested maybe they got a political strategist, like a real specialist in that. But it was fascinating. And I shocked myself 
that I was even considering it, but it was because of the work. It was because of the issue. It was because of the work. Like, what would we create together? If we were going to create something I didn't believe in, I couldn't do it. Like I literally couldn't do it. And so one could argue that there's an advantage to my being more clear about what I will and won't do so that I attract that right audience. But so, yeah, somebody opposite came in and and surprised me with something that perhaps we could have created together that would have made the world a better place. Mm. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I yeah, totally forgotten about that. It's a, and it does call back to the original prompt for the question, which was maybe a little bit less about what you decide to share publicly and more about it felt a little bit more like who should I work with or should I mm-hmm. or should I not work with someone and how much should I reveal in the, the private conversations, not so much the public, right? So it, I think the, right. the premise was a private conversation with a client or a prospective client and it was like, you know, and, and the person expressed some political views on the opposite end of the spectrum and it, I kind of land where... It would depend on what it was. I mean, there there are plenty of things that someone could say. In, in fact, there's more things that people could say to make me not work with them than to make me work with them. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I, my sort of business philosophy, help people like get what they want. It's like that that you like piece is really important. It's in there for a reason. Yeah, yeah. And it's a little bit shorthand for, for what you just said, which is... I wouldn't be able to, to, if I had like a a major, if I didn't believe in the thing, it would be impossible. Like I wouldn't be able to do it. It'd be impossible for me to, like I've had, I've had people come to me who uh, have a, um, a more mercenary approach to business, which is fine, but I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't know how to build a business for, help someone build a business where you really don't care about your clients like where they don't mm-hmm. really care about their clients and like, nah, I don't, it's like money's money. I'll, I'll take it, uh, whatever from whoever's spending. And then they just don't care. They're like, I'm great at what I do. Uh, I can charge a lot of money for it, but I want to make more. It's like, I just don't know how to, like, I have nothing against someone who's like that. I just have no tools to help with. It's like, I don't know, buy ads or something. Like, well, it's like, yeah. Cause you'd fall back on your usual way of doing it and they wouldn't get it. They'd be like, yeah. what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's right. a mismatch. Well, yeah, it's just a total mismatch. It's not so much that, you know, in that example, it's not so much that I disagree with the the, the business philosophy. I mean, I do disagree with it, but I, I'm not judging it. It's like, yeah, if that works for you, great. But I don't know how to help you. So it's it's probably not going to work out long term. But the the but if someone if someone reveals this is sticky, because if you're in a client relationship with someone, it's like maybe an ongoing thing and someone reveals their politics it doesn't even have to be politics. If someone reveals something about themselves that's abhorrent to you, yeah, like oh, I'm a serial killer. Like isn't everybody like everybody, <laughs> right? Right? There's all these TV shows. It's like totally cool, right? Then of course you're going to be like, what? I mean, I I suppose you could be in a situation where you're like, well, geez, I I can't fire this client. I can't. I need the money, or I'm in this situation. This is really bad. But you know, ideally, if someone said something that was just abhorrent you'd be like oh wow i mean we're done here yeah i'm out of here right 
Well, on some level, that's why I left big firm consulting. I mean, it wasn't the primary reason, but it's when you're in a place where you're courting clients and it's a big account, it's like you're expected to make sure that they're happy no matter what. And then when you find out the lead person is just an abhorrent person Mm. with, you know, no morals or like ones you just like can't agree with, you know, you have that thing you know it's like and one of the promises I made to myself when I went out the first time when I started a firm and then when I you know did solo is I am not going to do those Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take those people because life is too short and I don't want to work with them if it makes my skin crawl (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm not taking a call (laughs) just not doing it yeah that that's a great trigger or a great something to something to notice and it was kind of something I was referring to earlier about how it makes me feel when I get righteous or snarky on Twitter. It makes me feel bad. And yeah. like your your body tells you when something's wrong. I, maybe, I don't know. I, I think. No, it, it does. Seems, okay. I totally agree. Mind-body yeah. connection. Right. So like if you pay attention to that and someone in a situation where it's either some rando emailing you out of the blue or it's a, a new client or even a not a new client, when you get that that like, oh, this is, I feel gross. This makes me feel bad. It's dirty, whatever. It doesn't need to be judgy, but I guess it is judgy. It's discerning. I know that sounds like parsing, but it's, hey, that's what we get to do. That's true. We get to decide. We're soloists. We're not working for somebody else. We're not working for the man getting a salary and having to serve whoever comes in the door. (laughs) And I, I just look at it that way, and it's it, I, I don't think of that as judgy. I just think of that as, how do I want to spend my time? And yeah. is this an issue I care enough about? Do I care enough about the person? Because if I don't, I like, I just it's not fair to them. They should have somebody who is in their corner and feels it 100%. Hmm. So, yeah, it's like you hear somebody and they have a vision, and you kind of go, ah, you know, that's... <laughs> Is is that judgy? I think it's I think it's making choices about how we want to spend our time. Yeah, I like picky better. It, it is. It's like you do you go off and do your thing, but I'm not going to spend my life like sharing air <laughs> with someone like that that thinks that way or or is just on a different journey. It's like you're on a different journey. Like you go do it, go have fun, but it's time for us to part ways. Sometimes people have a challenge, too, if they are not the norm. Like if you're in, uh, like if you're a a woman in tech, like a certain kind of like engineering style tech, Mm -hmm. you may be more tentative about what you say. Or you may be the other way. You may be (laughs) super aggressive because you're like, I'm not taking any guff. But it's, yeah, if if you're not sort of socialized to have it be okay that you have a different opinion... And express that opinion in whatever way makes sense for you, for the client, for the situation. You know, it, it can be a lot bigger decision than mm. just, oh, I, I can just say no or I don't care. Because especially if you're visible in the industry, then what you say and how you act, how you perform is is on view. I mean, multiple people are watching you. Yeah. And I do get, I'm glad you brought that up because I do get that feedback whenever Whenever I sort of blithely refer to firing a client or just parting ways, you know, I, I, I'll i guarantee I'll get like three emails that are like, oh, that's easy for you to say. 
mm-hmm. you know, you don't, but yeah. it's like, okay, I get that you can't necessarily just turn off the cash flow faucet and, you know, and uh, take the high road. But, you know, you, at least you're note, if you're noticing that mm, there's a conflict, there's like a dissonance, a cognitive dissonance of like, oh, you know, I found this out. I wish. I could just fire this client or part ways with them, but I do need the money. I've got other responsibilities. And so you're weighing, you're making a decision between two things and you're picking one. And if that makes you feel not great, just keep in mind that you're, you know, as a soloist, you're on this journey to get to a place where you can be picky. So maybe you're not there yet, but you, you will be able to become increasingly picky over time. And, uh, and it's delightful. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, because the first step in that is awareness, because when you're yeah. first starting, you probably don't even know or you, or you haven't thought about, like, who do you work best with? And, you know, if you've been at the corporate gig a long time, maybe you will. But otherwise, you just you, you don't know. It's an experiment. And so you think that this type of profile is ideal for you. And then you go, oh yeah, that type of profile, but also someone who's nice, who doesn't scream at the top of their lungs. You know, those are the things that you work through. And if you can't say goodbye right now, then you put them on the list. They're the first one that's going to go and you're going (laughs) to find somebody else to replace them who is a better fit, who's closer to your ideal. I love that. Yep. It's like, yeah, that's great. It's because there's there's a stage where people because pretty you know not I don't think I've ever met anybody who's been self-employed from the beginning. I, I think everybody I don't know one person that's been like that just gone out on their own from day one. I, maybe maybe I do. I can't think of anyone. So everybody was an employee at some point, and that 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 concept that employee mentality of like well whatever the boss says that's what you do and then when you go solo and it's like well the customer's always right you know and you're you don't the 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 notion that you have the option you do have the option to quit like uh like uh what's the quote your boss is a choice your clients are a choice too and Mm -hmm. and you might and your your options at the current time might both be bad like it's not like yeah right they might both be bad like sticking with the client might be bad but like not sticking with the client might be worse in your current circumstances but at least if you get to the point where you're like oh right that is a choice that i'm making you're not as trapped as you think like you you have options they're just really bad so (laughs) right so the over time I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what we're doing, right? Like over, what we're trying to do yeah. is over time, create more freedom. So we don't have to work with jerks. We don't have to spend time or it doesn't even have to be that you could have two amazing clients, but you still have to pick one for some reason. So you, it could be hopefully, probably if you well, stick with this, a better choice. Yeah. You'll have, you'll have a different problem, which is I have too many good choices. I don't know which one to pick. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's, just farther down the path, like you'll get there. Just like if you just stick with it and you're aware of the fact that you have some say over who your clients are. Once you get past the phase where you're like, I need to take every single lead that comes in the door because I need the money. Well, that awareness is so important because the awareness can turn, if you, if you bury it, it can turn into bitterness. It can turn into the, you know, I've talked about them before, you know, the group of people on Twitter that talks about how horrible clients are and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. And you, you wind up, you know, becoming that 
which you don't definitely do not want to do. So it's being aware and then starting to do something about it. It might be a very small thing, but it's like you, it gives you your power back. Yes, and the power exactly. back might be as simple as, well, I'm going to start a podcast mm-hmm. about this because these are the people I really want to help. Or it might be, I'm going to start, everybody I talk to, I'm going to look for this next replacement client so that I can get them out of my life. Exactly. <laughs> have them be gone forever. Perfect example, right? Like that's that's your control coming back is like you you know you want to leave this client, but you feel like you can't. Or you feel like the option getting rid of them will be worse than compromising your or just sucking it up for some period of time. Uh, but the control you can take is exactly what you said. It's like start doing things to attract a better client. You look, now you you've just learned this. You know the exposure to this client who um, said something that really turned you off is a, you're like oh I just identified uh, sort of anti-pattern or anti-example of who I don't want to work with. So now I know a little bit better about who I do want to work with. And you can sort of refine your messaging or in a way that's going to attract people like that. And maybe you do get, you know, let's say in this example, it was a political disagreement. Maybe you get more explicit politically about how left or right you are. And therefore, you're automatically going to scare away the people who you don't want to be spending time with. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, somebody in my circle just made a really powerful decision in the, in the last week and they sent out their fee increases for 2023 and got pushback from one client and it was predictable. This is a client that they knew would push back. And so they sat on the pushback and I guess the client said, well, you know, I'm going to go out and really see what my other alternatives are and I'll get back to you about this fee increase. Mm-hmm. And so they sat on it and said, you know what? There's always been a problem. I really don't enjoy working with them. I'm going to give them a 30-day notice. <laughs> I love that. I thought yeah. that was so empowering. And it's basic. It wasn't just because they, you know, didn't jump on the bandwagon with the fee increase, but that it was that you know the consultant didn't feel valued. And this is a, you know, it's a pretty intimate, regular working relationship. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was amazing. Right. Yeah. It, and that's, I mean, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be political or religious or what are some of the other hot buttons, parenting style, um, whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't have to be yeah, one of those things. Like an it's issue. Like, yeah. It's just, it's, those are just yet another, um, characteristic of your, your potential or existing clients It's just another characteristic that you yes. either like, don't like, or don't care. And and when you're the, the the thing about the question though, the original question was like the question asker didn't know this thing. So it was like secret and it became public and yeah. then it became not secret. Yeah. That makes it really awkward. <laughs> that makes it really awkward when everybody's cards weren't kind of on the table at the beginning of the relationship. That's that's a bummer. Well, and it's also, I, I totally get the, um, they felt like the client assumed that they agreed, you know, because you haven't talked about something. So we just assume that other people share our worldview. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, I think that makes it really tough. And and a lot more people now are using religion as an example. And you you know, if you look at a Twitter profile, they'll put their religion like first, second, or third. Right. And or they'll serve a particular religious or aspect of a religious community. I mean, it's it's fascinating. I mean, mm. we didn't see that ten years ago. So there's all kinds of ways to specialize and to niche down. But the flip, you know, the flip side, of course, is how much do you want to share about who you are and what you believe? Yeah. So, okay. So here's, I am kind of, I consider myself to be, for someone my age, probably on the oversharing side of things. I, I could be, I could be wrong. Maybe that's just what everyone thinks or, but, you know, compared to people I know, like in my family, for example, um, I, I used to share, you know, way more on social media than Twitter specifically. Um, a lot more and you know i send a daily email which often includes personal anecdotes and those sorts of things mm-hmm. uh talk about my kids on podcasts you know i know tons of people that would never do that so i feel a little bit like an overshare but at the same time i i think I'm trying to decide i'm trying to i'm trying to like articulate how i decide what to talk about in like a given email or on a podcast and it's usually stuff i tend not to bring things up that I don't feel like talking about. And it's kind of what you said earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, I'm not going to do a whole podcast about like homeschooling. So like when when COVID hit, a bunch of people who, you know, I've mentioned we homeschooled our kids and a bunch of people was like, were like, oh, you know, all of a sudden I'm working from home. I've got two little kids and, you know, my kids at the time were like, I don't know, seven and 10 or something like that. And and so the people were asking me for advice and like, so I, for a short time, you know, I did some live streams and stuff and it was fielding questions and giving suggestions, but that was a very specific, like I, there's no, there's no planet on which I start a, a podcast or a mailing list about homeschooling. Right. I was really not right. interested in talking about it. So you know, it, well, here I am talking about it. So don't email me about well, homeschooling because I don't well, feel but like you were you were helping in a very specific scenario. So it wasn't part of the master plan. It just kind of unfurled. Yeah, it was a demand that that it was a reason. It was a an understandable like, oh my god, what do I do? And it's like, well, I I have a bunch of answers. You know, I'm I'm no expert, but happy to tell you what works for us. Um, but it's just not. It's not an interesting topic for me to explore. So, so like I'm doing the, the email 365 workshop right now. And the first day of it is like defining your content solar system. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, for, I think you call it lanes. It's the same kind of thing. And the my advice to people who aren't sure what their central theme is and they aren't sure exactly who they want to be writing for. They're still a little bit unclear about their audience, but they're really excited about the topic. I think for an email list... I make an exception to my normal, you know, like my normal, like definitely know who your audience is first. But on this one, I kind of found myself making an exception because it's such a transformative process. It's such a growth thing to to be writing about something that you care about every day that my advice kind of boiled down to write, just write something that you want to learn a lot more about. Like pick that mm. as your central yeah. topic. And if you're really excited to learn more, you don't have to be an expert. It's what's going to make you an expert. So think about, and it's not, I wouldn't do this for a book. I wouldn't do this for a podcast. 
But for a mailing list, it's such a personal growth opportunity that I kind of surprised myself and was like, yeah, pick the thing that you want to be really good at, really well known for in two years, maybe even not that long, maybe even less. But I am not like there's so many subjects. There's so few subjects that I feel that way about. Like it's not homeschooling. It's not crypto. It's not AI. It's not mobile. It used to be. It used to be I could talk to you all day, 48 hours straight about mobile. Don't don't care anymore. <laughs> right. So it's to I mean, what I'm trying to do is like is help the dear listener, like put some boundary lines around like because if you bring up a subject that you actually don't want to talk about that much and you're just like blurting out your opinion, you're going to end up having to talk about it. So if you more. don't want what's <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah, more. More. If you right. start talking about it, yeah, chances are somebody's going to glom on and they may not be your ideal somebody's. Right. And it gets back to that, like, I've only got so many minutes in the day. Do I really want to spend them arguing about unschooling on Twitter with some rando, you know, John Smith 12765? Whoa. No, but it's seductive. You know, it's like that. Well, XKCD in the moment, comic. because there's the, like that energy jolt that you get, like when you have an argument with somebody where you're right, like it's that righteous indignation. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. going to show them they are wrong. Uh-huh. And I'm like, OK, no, that's not <laughs> that's re- really not where I want to spend my time. Let me try to help someone who actually wants it. Right. Right. But there, but in some kind of area of expertise, like I, yes. I find I find people it's a real big objection when people are, are starting to think about writing is like, I'm not an expert. How, you know, why would anyone care what I have to think about this? And it's like, well, they'll, they'll, if you show up to help them, not to make a million dollars, if you not, if you show up to make a million dollars, it's not going to work. But if you show up to help people, of course, they're going to care what you think they're, you're trying to help them. <laughs> yeah. And since everybody has limited time and resources, you got to pick, your lane. You got to decide like, what do you want to learn more about? How do you, what is the approach where you feel like you can help people the most? And then you're by almost by definition, you're not going to be talking about a bunch of other stuff that might be important to you personally, but isn't where you see, it's not your superpower. Yeah. It's, I'm trying to remember that expression about, you know, if if you want to learn more about something, teach it. Something yeah. along those lines. So yeah, it's that's that's the motivation because then you're anxious to learn. And what's really cool if you're doing daily or really frequent emails is that you start to see what happens in your day as as compared to your your big idea, this revolution you're leading. So you start to see examples in day to day life, and and I think you're really good at doing that, Jonathan, in your emails. Like this happened today, you know, or look at this watch. You know, what, what's the value of this watch? Right. What's the value of this? And when when that's what happens when we have this idea, we really want to learn about it. It's almost like you can't unsee the idea anymore around you and you can see it in multiple interactions in your day mm-hmm. yeah and it, it's it's funny you know i'm on seth godin's list and he's you you can tell that he gets a lot of email and and questions on his podcast that are probably really specific about you know what do you think about this could you do a an episode about you know i don't know blm or me too or whatever and he and he steadfastly seems to you know just I'm, he never said this but I, I just see in his messages when there's some some current event 
he won't write about it. He'll write about it, but not directly. He writes around it. He writes around climate it. change. Except, except for, for climate change, change, which is his yeah. main thing right now. So, so like the the like right you know this someone could be listening to this 10 years in the future wouldn't that be funny but right now <laughs> we're going through this sort of elon musk purchases twitter and is just like thrashing it left and right and and so you get all these you know so seth's written a number of emails that are like meta about what's going on mm-hmm. and it and it keeps it in his lane you know what i mean yeah. And it, it also keeps it evergreen because he knows full well that, you know, he's been writing for so long, like people will be reading his emails in 10 years, most likely. So it's not like current events. And he, that's the one time I've ever heard him address it. He's like this. He said, well, this this podcast is not about current events, but and then he went into sort of a meta discussion of of the ideas involved and the behind the scenes stuff. So it's that to, that I like that. I like where you're debating the the ideas or maybe you're even attacking an idea but not a person that's why i felt bad about the the righteous indignation on my email list about the the padding your hours thing was because i was i was attacking people it felt very bully pulpit even though it was private and uh and i i don't like that feeling i'll attack an idea all day long but as soon as it turns into a behavior i was like this this feels different and i don't like it yeah no, I totally get it. And and that's part of the, you know, your personal brand and your beyond that, it's your own value and belief systems. And I think, you know, as we proceed in our careers, we get better at figuring out what fits us and what doesn't. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like my turning my nose away at the guy who wanted to debate that thing. It's like, oh God, just gag me. I don't want to do that. <laughs> But, you know, 10 years ago, I probably would have done it just because I felt like I had to because he put his nose into my space and I would have felt like I somehow was honor bound to engage with Right, him. like he's poking and, you in the chest and you need to poke back. Yeah, but again, his attitude, it wasn't like a negative attitude. I think this is probably somebody who really enjoys a debate about a lot of things. And I don't. I enjoy <laughs> debate on some things. Talk to me about authority. Talk to me about soloists. Talk to me about business. Yeah. But, right. you know, yeah. And, and I'm not an expert. Right. I, Does I, the world need another uninformed opinion? Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, who cares that's what I, I think about that? Right. Right. But then some, you know, whatever. I've been pulled over, you know, then certain scenarios, people are like, well, we care what you think. And I could be like, why? But okay, here's what I think. Let's move on. You know, almost like, um, I don't know. I've, I've done it once or twice. It feels it feels weird. I don't like being bossed around. <laughs> yeah, it's well, you know, there are things like I was in a, a Slack channel. It was a paid Slack channel, but it was super cheap. And it had gotten all kinds of rave reviews. And it turns out the the owner of it like he's really like he believes in these really wacko theories. I won't <laughs> explain what I mean by that. Um, but I, I thought I actually thought he was kidding. Hmm. And I was like, well, what what do you mean? And he he really meant that. I was like, I'm out of here. Like, hmm. And somebody else was like, I want my money back. I'm like, it's not enough to, to, to even, even ask. Just, I'm just yeah. out of here. It was one of those things where I like I just didn't even want to be in the orbit of somebody that would believe this stuff and then try to explain to a business group and it wasn't business related. So, yeah. So, I mean, 
you, you make your choices. Now, the same for the same reason that I jumped out, maybe 10 other people jumped in because they said, great, we want to talk about that along with this business stuff. Yeah, you were just at the it, wrong party. Yeah, yeah, we definitely was in my room. Hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. I, it does raise the the issue of like who you associate with can reflect on you and and yes. back to the original question asker. You know, if someone was sufficiently toxic and you became aware of it, then there's this perhaps a scenario where you're, you want to publicly disavow the relationship. Like, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, whatever. I didn't know this person was a heinous individual. Now I know here's what I did once I found out. And, you know, I, I don't well, think there's a not... middle step too. And the middle step I think of is um, some people would call it boundaries, but you can be more formal with someone with whom you don't agree. You can be civil, you can be polite, you can even be helpful if, you know, if you're your client and you're in the middle of this thing. It's not like you can just shut it off, but it's you can maintain those boundaries and you're not getting closer to them. You're you're standing off. And they will feel that, just so you know, unless, you know, they have a condition of some sort, but they <sighs> they will they'll generally feel that. Yeah, that frosty um, be, yeah, and it's not even frosty. It's just that you can feel the glass go up. That's how I think about it. It's glass or plexiglass. So you can see them, but they they can't touch you. Yeah. That that negativity, that thing that you really don't like can't touch you. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a, a technique that therapists use all the time when they're trying to help someone that they maybe oh, you know, good personally point. don't care for. Yeah. 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 Wow. So I'm looking at the clock. I know we got to get out of here. Um, I hope, I hope, I don't know if this is helpful. I always like to leave people with some kind of like helpful action items or something. I mean, I feel like what have, what have we said here? Like be yourself, uh, <laughs> stick to stuff that you do want to talk about and learn about more and maybe de-emphasize things that you don't really care to. Yeah, you know. and create boundaries when you need them, when and where you need them. Mm. Well, we you can let us know, folks. You've got our emails. You know how to get in touch with us. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.